Hello, everyone, and welcome to an emergency podcast, <laughs> an emergency Trek movie podcast uh, between the Shuttle Pod and Star Trek All Access podcasts. The two best Trek movie podcasts, I would say. <laughs> um, today we have gathered myself, Kaylee Acvino, Brian Drew. Hello. Lori Ulster. Hello. And Anthony Pascal. Ahoy. To talk about the news that Prodigy has been canceled. The Actually, shocking to, news. To weep about the news. The Prodigy Cancel, has been it's, canceled. It's, not, it's weird, right? It's not just that it's been canceled. It's being totally removed from Paramount Plus and the the second season which is pretty much getting close to being finished is a, maybe still going to air but not on Paramount Plus. Yeah. Well, first of all, this isn't I mean, we're talking about Prodigy, but it's not like they singled out Prodigy. This is kind of a bigger issue with Paramount in general. So yeah. Paramount's about to merge Showtime into Paramount Plus and they're using this as an opportunity as all the other, you know, Disney's done this, others of taking certain shows and removing them from the service so they don't have to pay, you know, they can take tax write-offs and royalties, uh, not have to pay certain residuals. It's, right. it's a mm. money saver. Prodigy and a number of other shows, like the new Grease prequel that- Yeah, the Pink there. Ladies thing, yeah. That nobody asked for. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's surprising that one of the Star Trek shows was in this list. Yeah. On the day that Paramount Plus and Showtime, which is Tuesday, come together as one, these shows will literally disappear. Pro but Prodigy is a special case in that post-production on season two is well underway. And that's 20 more episodes. And so they are actively shopping season one and two to someone else, but we don't know who. It's that's such a weird decision to me. Like they made the show. It's their own show. So it's not like they're paying a licensing fee for it. Sure, they have to pay residuals or what have you, but really? If people are watching it, they don't see the value in having that viewer watch the show, even though they have to pay a residual for it. And frankly, are they really paying that much money? I guess the question then is how many people are watching it? That's what I was going to say. Like, it might just be that they don't have enough. But I mean, yeah. nothing's getting paid. It, don't they only get paid out if someone watches it? That's or not. It's, the streaming deals are different that way. It's, okay. Yeah. That's, that's the old TV model, but still. Right, which is also one of the things that's in dispute right now and why the writers are on strike. Right. Obviously, it makes financial sense for these companies to do this because they're all doing it. Disney did it. Disney, the biggest, most successful entertainment company out there, they just pulled that, um, like they made a Willow well, show. Brand uh, new. Right, yeah. Brand new show. And they, they, yep. that's, that's gone. Um, and other things, you know, so HBO Max kind of pioneered this after Discovery took over and they they've been. They pulled a show. Didn't they pull a show before it even aired? Like they finished it. It was done. I yeah, believe they had the, a show that was the, completely finished and ready to go. The Batgirl movie. That, that was they one. Just, yeah. They Warner just Brothers. erased it. Yeah. And they're not even trying to shop it around that they're, you know, so we buried it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just gone, gone. Um, and Michael so, Keaton is in that as Batman, you know, the good news is, and, and Paramount, you know, emphasized this to us is that, you know, season two is being completed and 
they are hoping to find a home for it, but there's no news on when or where. But again, hoping is not guaranteed. Well, they're highly motivated because yeah. they'll make money off of it. Um, yeah. They are still paying these people to finish season two and, and they will be for a while because season two is going to be broken into two 10 episode chunks um, unless they decide to change that. The first 10 were supposed to come in winter, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. God, Paramount Plus is such a mess. Like with Star Trek, it's been such a mess on again, off again with what's even, I don't even know what's on Paramount Plus right now in terms of Star Trek. Because they keep pulling things. Oh, you the mean movies like the came back. The yeah. movies came back. Well, I mean, that was, I mean, last month, finally, it was the home of everything. Finally, mm. um, which you know, the Will Wheaton in one of the ready rooms, he he was finally able to say, you know, Paramount Plus is the exclusive home to every show, every episode, and every movie. And now they won't be able to say that anymore because someone else will have one of the shows, right? We hope. I would be shocked if somebody doesn't pick it up, like Netflix or somebody. Yeah, I mean, that's a big question of who. I I can't imagine Disney Plus, but maybe Hulu. Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, it's Hulu, Netflix. Amazon, or Netflix, or Netflix yeah. would be the three. Netflix has some other shows made by the Hagemans, so they have a relationship there. And they have a history of picking up shows that, right. you know, were. Right. Canceled and this is a good show. This is not a schlocky kind of program that, you know, this is a high quality program that the studio is just kind of giving up on. Well, that's what's so upsetting. It's Emmy winning. Yeah, I think they marketed the show kind of weirdly, too. Yeah. Well, if at all, when when can we talk about the merchandise? That, too. But let's, we'll get to that. We will get to that. (laughs) Okay. But what Paramount is doing, as Tony alluded to, is part of just a larger thing that the industry is doing. And I think the idea that at one point that being the exclusive home for everything and hoarding all your your original licensed material, like, you know, Disney, Hulk, maybe potentially not hoarding all their Marvel stuff anymore and like licensing it out or almost is almost like its own weird version of the, the syndicated model coming back in, in an old weird way. And that they're going to sell some of their stuff to another vendor. Yeah. HBO uh, or, or whatever. What are they called now? Warner Discovery. Or Discovery okay. Warner, whatever they're called. Warner Brothers Discovery, WBD. <laughs> Sounds like a disease. <laughs> <laughs> they're in talks, licensing talks with Netflix for a bunch of HBO shows. HBO, so shows. HBO isn't HBO anymore? What are we t- Wait. And, and apparently, lost. by the way, they've already <laughs> sold some stuff to, to um, Hulu, which is apparently just went under the radar completely. Hulu apparently has got a bunch of HBO shows right now. How, how is the average consumer supposed to keep track of all of this? I know. Like when it was on, when it was on channel six, you just say, you just turn on channel six. It doesn't yeah, matter. I'm starting to really miss that. It's like, you know what? <laughs> You're really going back in my day, aren't you, Kayla? I know. I, I was going to say, I'm older than you guys. And, <laughs> and I don't miss, you know, channel six. No, but it was a lot simpler to find what you were yeah, but looking for. That's what for. I mean. Yeah, just turn, you call your friend and you're just like, just turn on Channel 6. You don't have to be like, well, turn on KBMU, whatever. Like, you don't have to memorize all the different networks. And- I know what you, I mean, for me, it's, I have an app that I can just look up any show and it tells me what it's on and I tell it what I've subscribed to, which helps. But I do find with the shows I follow on streaming, I almost never remember what night new episodes are on. Well, and then they are switching networks. Right, and then so they move, it, so that makes it even trickier. Right. Yeah. 
you know, the, the Hagemans put out a very gracious statement talking about how they strive for a better future and they have faith the show will be picked up. And they had a lot of nice things to say about the talented team. You know, the Paramount statement that they sent us praised Kevin and Dan Hageman and the rest of the team. So they're all playing nice. So apparently the producer of the Grease spinoff is not playing nice. She's no, pissed. She's very pissed. Well, did it even, has it even aired at all it yet? Did. It did. Okay. They did do marketing for that. I mean, I definitely saw marketing for that show. That show was always kind of a weird long shot, though. Hey, let's give you the origin story of a movie that came out 45 years ago. Shows like that were greenlit in the day when they were going through their catalogs, going and saying, let's see what we can make a franchise out of. You know, right, so right. Paramount has tried that with Fatal Attraction. Right. The Fatal Attraction, um, this, they were going to do it with the Parallax view. They were going to do it with Love Story. Yeah. Right. Whoa. All this goofy <laughs> shit. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder if they, you know, they even considered why Prodigy was singled out. Was Is it... Is it because they're just not interested in in this target market anymore? Was it really underperforming that badly? Um, was it just it was really expensive for what it was? I think it's kind of that for, you know, um, it's not ridiculously expensive, but for an animated yeah. show. Yeah, that's an aspect. No question. It is more expensive, but it's not nearly as expensive as, a, you know, as one of the live action shows. Right. Those are many times more expensive. Right. But we have Discovery's ending anyway. And Strange New Worlds, they're pinning some hopes on, and Picard's done. Right. You know, they have stuff they're developing, which I feel like those plans are maybe not as concrete as they have been. Yeah, I I agree, Laura. You you know, I think one of the worst parts about this is how sudden it's been. I think everyone's just so shocked. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, it's going to be gone next week. It feels like they don't, it feels like a kick in the pants. It feels like they're trying to be mean. You know what I mean? And I know they're not, but that it just to the fans. The, I, apparently, they don't care what the fans think because, well, Tony, you're more likely to know if this is true. So I'm just throwing out crazy thing I saw on the web. Um, but that their fiscal year is ending, and that it has that the timing has to do with that. Yeah, well, that's why Disney, when Disney did it, they did that at the exact same time. Yeah, yep. they, they. I mean, this was this decision was definitely way above Alex Kurtzman. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. I'm not yeah. This, was, this was done by the CFO, you know. This oh, is, absolutely. You know, this is not yeah. people who are watching shows and making decisions based nope. on how they feel about them. Nope. No, I get that. I get that. You know, the bean counters made this decision. But, to, but like there's there's optics to that as well. Like even if they don't, they're so far disconnected from the fans, it's still, they still look like a dick for doing it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. even if, like, no I, I get it. They don't get, they're, they're bean counters. They are at that level where they don't care what the show is about. They don't care if people like it. They just want to get things balanced on spreadsheets. But isn't there someone's department to be like, hey, let's not piss people off when we do this and we say, oh, your show is going to be gone in four days or whatever? Yes. Uh, you know, that's why they issued all, they sent us all these friendly statements um, <laughs> because they want it to seem copacetic. But you know, I hate to say this, but people like the CEO and the CFO think much more about Wall Street analysts than they do about the mainstream entertainment media. Oh, and so absolutely. They are yeah, thinking about you – know, so Warner Brothers Discovery was applauded um, by Wall Street for some of its draconian moves that it was pilloried for by the Wall entertainment Street. media. Right. And so – That's what you're saying. They're not listening to – 
us. <laughs> I think I, that, that makes sense because there is this the the PR angle, but it's worth more to them to impress someone on the other side than it is to worry about pissing off someone on our side. Yeah. That or, makes sense. Or even like the brand, even the PR side of the brand, like we've been saying home of all the Star Treks, like that doesn't mean anything to them either. And it makes means more to, I wasn't thinking of the other side of the equation where they're gaining something on that other side, on the fiscal side for that move in, in particular. It's seen as bad on one side, good on the other, but the good side is worth a lot more to them. Paramount Global is is only valued at like $10 billion now or something like that. People are talking about it being acquired. Um, there's one analyst who said they basically got two years or it's over for the company and they're they're going to have to split up into pieces. Which I don't know if I believe. I don't know if I buy into that, by the way. No, but I mean, you don't. No one. No one's saying that about Disney. You know, you no. know they're saying that about companies like Lionsgate and Paramount, basically, is like these companies are too small and they aren't going to. They may not make it in this new media landscape. Which is why, you know, people are now looking back to licensing and some of the old days, um, you know, yeah. it's, it's funny, like what's, you know, what's old is new again. So advertising is the hot thing in streaming now. Yep. Wall Street is obsessed with growth. It's like, can't you just, you, 10 billion, only 10 billion. The streaming, the streaming mess that we're in is actually Wall Street's fault. Well, I just have to say Paramount lost money today on the stock market because I own how many shares? Like two or something but they lost money today the, the stock price went down yeah i mean it's been trending down everything's trending down but it's they lost money today they'll reveal how much money they saved you know the big thing to watch will be in august you know they took a real beating during their last quarterly reports when they cut their dividend wall street just tore them a new one for that one and I mean, they're literally selling pieces of the company off. So Sherry Redstone had to inject like a hundred million dollars into the company for what? Just you know, to to exist. Yeah, you know, the the thing that's keeping them alive is that uh, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett, has a sizable position and he increased it. And so people are like, well, maybe maybe he knows something we don't. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's you know, but some people are like, what does he know that we don't? But this is really getting into the weeds. Uh, you know, Star Trek fans are basically. So you're saying we should short Paramount. <laughs> well, I wouldn't because I, I think someone's going to buy them. And so it's going to so get bought for more than 10 billion, either in pieces or as a whole. So I wouldn't short them. But that's. I, I would love to see Apple pick them up, actually. I mean, I mean, Apple and Netflix would love to own Paramount's library they, and even the physical studio on Melrose. They don't want CBS network. They certainly don't want the cable networks. Right. Mm. And Sherry doesn't want to sell it in pieces. She She's getting rid of certain things they don't want, like Simon & Schuster, BET, but they want to keep, you know, MTV, Comedy Central, CBS, and Paramount Plus, and Paramount Studios. So, I mean, the, a big question, obviously, is what happens to Star Trek, because pre-Viacomization, we had <laughs> the split of Star Trek, right, with the television shows and the and the movies, and then the the licensing was with the television shows. And it was such a mess that it was all under one roof again. But it sounds like there's a danger that it will get split up again. If what someone you... buys it and they say, we only want the Paramount movie library, we don't want any of the shows, what happens to the Trek shows? I don't see them being spun off, at, because that's what happened the last time. Paramount got spun off of CBS, right? Tony, is that how it worked? I'm trying to remember. Well, it was it, Viacom was one company and they kind of split it in half with CBS 
uh, the broadcast and some other stuff leaving and all the cable stuff and and CBS owned Star Trek technically so they took Star Trek but you know Paramount Pictures owned the movies I see when I say the library I mean all of it TV into so uh, I, I don't imagine TV and movies being split up again no but I could see a world where Paramount starts creating new Star Trek shows for third parties. So a, you know, I could see a brand new Star Trek show coming to Netflix. But it would be, you're saying behind the scenes actually produced by Paramount and sold to Netflix. Right. Cause that's like how a lot of the Netflix originals work. It's not like Netflix did the production of it. They just paid someone else after they. Well, right. It's also a kind of like the network TV model where a studio would produce a TV show. Yeah. And then it would be like the original Star Trek was produced by Desilu and Paramount, but it was broadcast on NBC. So it would be that kind of a thing. Okay. Sim- similar, not exactly the same, but like that kind of idea. Basically, we're in for a bumpy ride for the next couple of years. Um, Star Trek is owned by a company that is not in great shape. Um, there's companies in worse shape. So it's kind of astounding, you know, that, you know, we got used to like, oh my God, we have five active shows. And, um, you know, I've always said that's kind of an accident. I think it never, yeah. that was more than they probably ever wanted. Um, you know, and Prodigy will be an active show for years for, you know, there's going to be new episodes uh, coming out either this year, next year, and then more later. So do we know that? Well, I, in theory, yeah. In the, You know, I mean, they're, they've spent so much already on season two. I mean, they finished writing season two a year and a half ago. I mean, the, the post-production on this show is extensive. <laughs> so, I, you know, I guess they could just write it all off if they can't find someone to buy it. What I meant was beyond season two. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't see. Well, I mean, maybe whoever buys it likes it and it works for them. You know, we've seen shows that didn't work in one place or worked kind of. I mean, like, like Schitt's Creek is a great example of a show that nobody even heard of. It was on this network called Pop which actually was owned by CBS, I believe, and it aired in Canada. And then they bought it and it was huge. You know, Netflix is, is, is has a much bigger footprint and, a, you know, it's easier for a show to do better. It's also easy for a show to just get buried there. Some people say, wouldn't it be great if Netflix bought uh, Paramount, um, which has been rumored. I'm not sure that would be great. I mean, I don't think you'd ever get shows to go more than three seasons. Which isn't necessarily bad. Well, that's but... Netflix loves to have short. They don't like the long-term shows anyway. Yeah. Nope. But I think, I mean, the next generation and the Deep Space Nine libraries in particular are got to be worth a lot. I mean, I don't know how those things are actually monetized in the end other than, oh, it brings us viewers. Um, just like someone will sign up just to see this one thing. But my understanding was that like the next generation show and Deep Space Nine like streaming on Netflix was pretty heavily watched and voyager i mean yeah voyager for sure too it could be that that we now see a reverse and they they'll start licensing the the catalog as well you know we've been talking about their original shows so you think you don't think where one goes it all goes it could be split as well i mean we just don't know but is that a possibility but that's the most likely possibility yeah Um, Mm -hmm. i don't think they're looking for one partner i think they're looking to sell to whoever you know these different shows to different partners and there's a difference between the licensed stuff and are they going to start selling the catalog stuff again, but it wouldn't be exclusive. Like I, I can't see a world where 
they sell the Star Trek library exclusively, and I'm talking about Next Gen and Voyager, to someone okay. like Netflix. It would be like they used to do, which is everybody could have it. Okay. Um, yeah, it was on all the major players for a while. Yeah, you can go on any streaming service at one point and get TOS and TNG without yep. any problem. Yeah. And, you know, I've always said that it, that was great because it allowed for discovery, you know, <laughs> of just people who have Netflix and then recommended, oh, you should watch the Star Trek thing or, yeah. you know. We've all heard people say that they didn't, they haven't watched the new shows because they don't have Paramount Plus because there wasn't anything else. Yeah, there for a while that people even were interested. Oh, in. back in when it was all access, yeah, yeah. Uh, all access. But, yeah, I mean, a very, even into even into Paramount Paramount Plus, there are people who there's are just a like, lot well, more there. What now, else though? do they I mean, have? What else do they have? They don't know, and people aren't like me where I subscribe to billions of streaming things, and they really have to pick the ones that they're investing their money in. Thinking about this podcast, we're basically saying we know like two or three facts and we and then there's like 17 things we don't know well let's talk about how angry we are let's shift to the emotional section because <laughs> prodigy as i always say on our podcast is my favorite of all the new shows i just love it so much i feel like it's exactly what star trek is about yes, it's it new is. characters lots of new aliens new planets new experiences deeply rooted in the core of what Star Trek is about. Yeah, lifting yep. each other up and caring for each other and learning and growing. Yep. I went into the show just assuming it might be okay or, you know, even thinking, you know, it's just not going to be for me because it's not targeted at me, but I'm glad it existed. And I've loved the show and it's been a just a delightful surprise how much I've loved the show. And It's a very sweet show. Yeah, it, it honors the canon, but it's not, you know, it certainly didn't start off it, you know the whole point of the show was to start off where there were very little you know connections to the canon because they wanted to bring in new viewers and they they slowly but surely added more elements um during the first 20 episodes and i feel like there's so much the episodes are short they pack in so much adventure and so much story and never compromise on deep rich character emotional experiences at uh -huh. the same time it's pretty extraordinary What's sad is I've seen a lot of Star Trek fans say, I'm not going to watch that. It's animated. It's for kids. It's stupid. Yeah, I, I know a few people like that. Yeah. A lot of people don't care for animation. They're just not anim animation fans. You know, so. At the end, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm specifically an animation fan, but the animation on that show is gorgeous. It is. Like it's the it opposite is. of discouraging. <laughs> you watch it and it's beautiful and breathtaking and captivating. Yeah, it's not a kiddie show. It, I mean, there are, and there's nothing wrong with kiddie shows. But kids you know? can watch it, but it's not necessarily, it's not like adults can't watch it. It's not for like little kids. Right. Exactly. I think it's too intense for little kids. If you had, I think if you had a little kid in the room with you, they could watch it. I don't see any problem with that. Oh, absolutely. It's great to watch with kids, which I've done. I wish more of those Star Trek fans, um, they missed out and now it's over. Except it's yeah. not over, I don't think. There will be many months where it is over. You, there will be nowhere you could watch it. Um, we don't know what's going to happen on Nickelodeon, the TV channel. We don't know what's going to happen internationally. So if you're listening to this for all of those answers, I'm sorry. But um, What's out on DVD at this point for Prodigy? Are, is it just the first 10? Yeah. Just the first 10, yeah, yes. First half, yep. 
they decide to call it volume one and two of season one and two, adding up to 40 episodes. I mean, what, you know, another thing that I love about the show is the people behind it, the, the Hagemans and Aaron Watke uh-huh. and Chad and the Shauna Benson and yeah, the Benson sisters. I yeah. love that they're sisters and brothers working on the show. Some of them are, you know, I mean, Aaron, you know, took our Star Trek quiz. I mean, he is as nerdy as you get, but <laughs> they all have such a passion for the show. They're not phoning it in. Um, and the cast as well, most of whom really didn't know anything about Star Trek, but have really grown to love it. And then you, you know, and then you've got Kate Mulgrew, who's really doing a great job on the show. So. Yep. And people were also expecting to see more Voyager characters find their way in. So there was a lot to anticipate also. But again, that (laughs) there's still 20 episodes to see. I'm almost certain we will see more Voyager characters and more, you know, let's just assume someone buys it, you know, then that will happen. We'll just watch it on whatever, you know, on, you know, System X. Season two, I think, is going to be great. I wish we could buy it. (laughs) <laughs> I'd start a GoFundMe. I know. Imagine if the we could movie buy streaming it. channel. How so much fun! <laughs> it would, you know, I don't know how how many million do you got? I mean, it would be many millions. Many um, millions. Yes, we could raise a few yeah. million on a GoFundMe. I guess. Um, I mean, the whole point. <laughs> the whole point was not enough people are watching it. Right. Which you know, we're not it, doing this to make money. We're just doing it to do it, so that we can collectively own it with tons of other people. Right. Yeah. Does anyone out there have a few million dollars and they want to just buy it? You should do it. You should totally do that. It's a really good idea. <laughs> There's plenty of people out there for which, you know, five million dollars is like they wouldn't even notice that it was gone. And if one of you is listening to this, <laughs> just do it just because you can. Come on, please. We really yeah, want please. you to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, in the end, if it moves to another network and it gets 40 episodes... That's a pretty good run in the modern era. It's just weird that it popped from one network to another. But just like I said, it just feels like a kick in the pants. That hot was just sprung on us. Yeah. In the middle of my work day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they could have told us gradually, to be honest. (laughs) Like there's no there's no way to more lead time. Yeah, they they could have announced this, you know, months ago to say the following shows or you know, I mean I think yeah, the less than a week. This is it's a little bit like when Discovery season four was coming out and internationally there was this issue with Netflix and it just disappeared from Netflix. Oh, that's right. right. Um, yeah. I remember, you know, international fans were just pissed, really pissed. And Justifiably Paramount so. Issued, yeah, they issued an apology. They put it on Pluto internationally. And, you know, by the way, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the show, maybe the first bunch of episodes ends up on pluto i was wondering that as well you know i think yeah we just left an era where shows weren't getting canceled a lot and there was no more and more new stuff but you know that gold rush is over yeah Um, so it was the golden so much for the golden era of star trek huh yeah but maybe this will bring in a new a new you know i think we're gonna start seeing star trek miniseries and maybe Star Trek shows on other networks. I'd be into that. Yeah. Depending on who made it. 
Yeah. Maybe lower budget Star Trek shows. That is fine. I don't know where this obsession with these massive budget things. Like, remember when Discovery was starting and everyone's like, oh, it's going to be like Game of Thrones level budget. And they're going to import this fabric for the uniforms that have. Oh my God, I remember the uniforms. With Sweden? With tiny things printed on them that nobody that no could one can see. see. It was yeah, that was there were some very strange budget decisions made early on. It's like none of this need you know, like look at the original series. Like look at the look what they were working with then. And they told amazing stories and we still love it. Yeah. But that was a big budget show for its time. Yeah. It was. It's just that it they was. also found ways to cut corners That's season true. season three is when they were stealing sets for mission yeah. impossible <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the first but couple not, of seasons, but nothing there's big budget for its time and then there's game of thrones level funding right, which, which just didn't exist the, the phrase prestige tv didn't exist right it didn't, you know it's unnecessary then. completely yeah. unnecessary. like there's a point of there's a point of of you know limited returns yeah um once you spend more money on something, you can't just keep throwing money at it, and it doesn't just get that much better because you've added another dollar. You don't get the the dollars worth out of it. It's like you've already thrown a billion dollars at it. A billion and one isn't going to do anything. It's just stop. I th- I think that you know that's co- slowly you know coming to an end as well. The the kind of crazy budgets for all of these shows, not yep. just Star Trek, but all of them. That makes me happy. Paramount and non Paramount. But I think you know, I guess the question is: Is Paramount pivoting? You know, because the combination with Showtime, are they? Do they want to pivot the whole thing to a more adult audience? Um, is that part of the reason why? But you know, the, they got rid of the Pink Ladies. They got rid of a drag, one of the drag shows. I'm not sure there's a pattern there, to be perfectly honest. And they still have all that other Nickelodeon content, you know, all that SpongeBob stuff that should be bringing in families, shouldn't it? Yeah, you would think so. Um, I did want to address one thing I saw a bit of on Twitter today that people were freaking out, thinking, okay, well, if they're going to do it to Prodigy, what what Star Trek show is next? Who are they going to do this to next? I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't see them doing this again to any of the other Trek shows. it's not about Star Trek. Like, that's the thing. The decision has nothing to do with Star Trek. Right, but that's what I'm trying to say. It's really, yeah, it's not really about Trek. They could st- save some big short-term money if they yanked Discovery off, for example, because that right. was an expensive show. Right. And they killed the fifth season. They called the fifth season a loss. But I don't see this happening to the, those other shows. I I do imagine that like Discovery will get licensed to other, you know, third parties after it's done on Paramount Plus. Yeah, you would think so. You know, but uh, Strange New Worlds. You know, they are saying, you know, I'm, you know, they are committed to Strange New Worlds, Lower Deck Season 5, Strange New Worlds Season 3, the Section 31 movie, and the Academy show. That's the big question mark is if Paramount Plus can't attract young viewers, can the Academy show work? Because it's also going to be very expensive. Is it? I, I was under the impression that show was going to make heavy use of the Discovery sets. Well, they're going to use those sets as a start, but then they, they're going to need even more. And they're not redressing those sets. They're they're going to rebuild. And okay, I was under the impression they were going to just try to do this as cheaply as they could. And that meant... Because Discovery will be over once they start production on oh, that yeah. show. Well, Discovery is already wrapped now, right? The reshoots, they, they already did the reshoots, so... 
Yeah, that's not really that much of a cost savings. Okay, I was under the impression that was one of the motivating factors behind it. They have the issue where they're gonna they're gonna be an academy show, but they're also gonna be in space, so they need spaceship sets and they need classroom sets, um, and they'll probably be doing location shooting. So I've heard that it actually costs more. Wow. At least that was the plan. I could see them someone saying maybe we, it shouldn't cost more. Yeah. And I I think it shouldn't cost more. I think that it should cost. I'm not saying give it a budget like a CW show, but <laughs> but not, you know, somewhere in between a CW show and a prestige TV show. Right, I would say. Right. Yeah. Hopefully we'll learn more at Comic-Con. Um, I do yes. believe there will be a thing at Comic-Con. I don't know what, <laughs> but they'll probably do one of their normal panels. It'll probably have Michelle Yeoh and stuff like that. But I'm hoping we learn more about this Academy show. And that's the big question mark. Is it going to work for correct fans? Is going to attract that younger audience. If they're pivoting away from a younger audience, does it still make sense to do that show? But I think they're kind of sunk in. I don't think Prodigy being written off is a sign that they're abandoning their attempt to get a younger audience. I think they just, whatever the financial reasons were, whether the show was too expensive, it didn't draw enough people, whatever, that's why they 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 did what they did. I don't necessarily think it's necessarily a, a pivot away from trying to attract a younger audience. It's not content strategy, it's budget strategy. Yeah, it seems more like that. Well said. I mean, they you know, they recently announced a new season for uh, another season for their Transformers animated show which is also aimed at younger a young audience, a younger audience I would even say. I'm sure there's, you know, performance issues here. And uh and I think this show costs more than that show. Anyway, you know, I don't know if there's any this was an emergency podcast. I, you know, we don't have a, you know, we we kind of pulled this together quickly we just wanted to talk about it so so does anyone you know is there anything else people want to say about prodigy or anything yes <laughs> i want to say that now my website will never be updated and it is a tragedy <laughs> everyone can go to do they sell a murph plus yet.com the answer is no <laughs> i was hoping that one day i would be able to change that website to say yes and now I fear I never will. Oh, yeah. The uh, the merchandise. I, 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 we've said this on our podcast before that it, it like the Murph plush seemed like one of the most natural Star Trek licensing products in like the last twenty years. It's amazing that that never happened. Like it seems like the character exists so that they could make toys. Of yeah, it. I remember seeing the first when they first released the images of of those characters. I was like, oh my god, that dog that. Murph is an immediate plush toy. Like, yeah. It was so obvious when you saw the first pictures. It was like, oh. And in fact, there were people um, on like Etsy selling yeah. ones that they, and people uh, tweeting they'd made one for their kids because their kids wanted one. And Yeah. They actually made Murph plushes for New York Comic Con. They were they, very small. Small. They were like the size of a, it was an exclusive, <laughs> only a few people got it, and it was the size of a marshmallow peep. Not good enough. No. Yeah, yeah, and you can get you you could get a badgy plush. I mean, they they are making new. There's there is a license. That's e disturbing. That, I don't want that in my house. <laughs> <laughs> no hugging badgy for you. No, that thing it, that thing is psychotic. It's gonna kill you. I think That's they like have both a versions. Chucky doll. Like, We're talking Tina. <laughs> they have they they oh, have evil badgy and very good, very good, Lori. But they don't have a Murph plush. It baffles me as well. You know, it's funny. Lori is working on a review of the latest wave of Prodigy 
figures from Playmates. Which has no Rock Tuck and no Janeway. Right. And Janeway, I think, has been canceled. And they never, I guess they never had a plan for Rock Tuck. My favorite character, by the way. Hello. Like, I've been waiting for the Rock Tuck plush. So, because she's my fave. But yeah, and no Janeway. That's insane. None of this makes any sense. But they do have a mug that says the starship is landing. (laughs) (laughs) Many and t-shirts and posters and everything. T-shirts, the whole thing. I bought the mug that says the starship is landing because I wanted to commemorate the stupidest era of Star Trek merchandise. Weren't there different versions with different ships, including many ships that do not land? Yeah, Yeah, we had one that said the Enterprise is landing. The Voyager is landing. I mean, the Voyager can Voyager land. Can land I know, yeah. but like. But the Enterprise is landing is like, okay. I mean, we've talked about this. I don't want to drone on about it, but. <laughs> the licensing for Star Trek in the past decade has been somewhat um, challenged. Yeah. yeah. Let's put it that way. Problematic. Yeah. Disappointing. Frankly. Yeah. We're not angry. We're just disappointed. Yep. Hoping for, hoping for better, <laughs> better things down the road. I guess, is that it for our emergency podcast? Emergency. All hands on deck. This concludes our Black Alert podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Black Alert. That's very good, Kayla. (laughs) Been practicing. So Aaron will keep posted on Twitter. And the most upbeat response to all of this so i feel like it might be a good note to go out on yes he said in a world of deep uncertainty i choose joy it can feel radical to reject cynicism to try every day to make the world a tiny bit better hope is a tool it can be a battery a shield or a weapon and it can be used in service of others we build a road stone by stone and i will say overall i keep hearing this message this message has been coming at me for weeks from different sources things i'm reading people i go to panels which is if you are cynical they win because you believe you can't do anything about it and you lose hope so i agree it can feel radical to reject cynicism so reject it and let's hope it gets bought by somebody and that that person is smart enough to order even more episodes. Yep. Yeah, maybe this will be a good thing in the end. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Optimism. Maybe it will be bought by someone that will make a Murph plush. And a rock That's plush. That's just crazy talk. And a rock talk <laughs> plush. <laughs> so we've got something to look forward to is what you're saying. Absolutely. Yep. Excellent. All right. Okay. Does everyone want to say goodbye? <laughs> well, it's great to chat with you guys. Uh, we don't do these combo pods enough. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. We'll all be seeing each other in Las Vegas. Uh, we'll be doing a panel together and maybe we'll do another podcast there. Yep. That'd be awesome. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on this emergency truck movie podcast. Um, great to have the two pods back together again and we will see you in Las Vegas. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.